Hold that chainsaw and start it in the knot. So this is where we die. Let me play my part. Check two, hey. Check like, is that real? Did that happen? Like, the structure of your brain actually changes. And do you still feel that every day? And then it got time for guitars. Eating disorder, like, I didn't want to die. Tendencies. But I didn't want to live. Helpless little girl. You gotta go in the hospital. You feel powerless. The body has a fear reaction. The opportunity to empower. No one can take away my power. I won't take myself out. Artists that are true like that, those are the ones that tend to like create change. situation it was you know she did everything a person can she was in and out of treatment all the time but it, it seems like the more I talked to people she hung out with the more I realized that this was kind of not a secret like she was ashamed that she struggled to eat well sometimes she was if it was holding her back from touring and she was like physically unable to do what she loved because she was starving yeah. but it was also more of just like people didn't have a vocabulary to even understand if someone said I have an eating disorder I didn't like I met her in 2012 I didn't know what that meant I just thought it meant people who are skinny who think they're fat like I knew nothing about it and I thought that right. was the beginning and end of it and that that's all there is um and I'm you know always kind of curious like what people who cared about her and spent any time around her picked up on like did did anyone notice like she kind of didn't eat or did people not even really pick up on that um I don't know that anybody really picked up on it because I mean yeah. I, I I do recall being in the studio and uh, when we kind of, we broke for to, to get some food and uh, I know she went and got the food, brought it back. And, uh, and then I, I do believe this is a while ago now, but I think fluff said, Hey, you know, there's plenty of food left and you better go get something. She's like, no, no, I, I already ate. So yeah. yeah. Last week. Right. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> If if it's one of those things where the context is thrown off, it's hard to it's hard yeah. to say. Well, yeah, I ate last week. Yeah, and that's the tricky thing. Like for her, is that when when she said that stuff, like when she said it to me, I knew what to look for. But I think she was genuine about it. The self awareness piece um, is so difficult. I think that she literally felt in that moment, I am absolutely stuffed. I couldn't possibly have a bite. And who knows if she had had anything that day? But you know, the less you eat, your stomach gets smaller too. So I like just so that people listening understand that people aren't always necessarily trying to be deceptive. It's just the mind is deceiving them. Yeah. And their relationship with their body is so disconnected. They wouldn't even know what a hunger cue is by the time it's been years and years of an eating disorder. So, you know, she did what she could and, and she did get the album tracked. And that's what matters at this point is that we have this work of art to share with people and say that people struggling you know, who don't know how to have that outlet and how to express themselves, they can listen to this. And, you know, it's, it's resonating with a lot of people. So I'm curious as a drummer, um, like how lyrics sink in with you at all, or if you're just way more focused on obviously driving the rhythm and doing your job, or do you listen to lyrics at all as a drummer? Uh, well, it, it kind of depends. A lot of times when, it, when, when there are lyrical, like lyrics in songs, I listen to them kind of as the whole picture when I'm not having to, when I'm not playing the music, but when I am actually like performing the, the, the music, I'm using more vocals as more of cues as to when 
uh, when I'm going to be making changes or accents and things like that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a on and off situation when I, when I am listening as a, as a listener, I, I'm, I'm listening to lyrics and kind of getting the whole picture. And if there is a story to be told, or if it's kind of a neat, you know, poetic, uh, kind of a poetic, uh, uh, gesture. I'll, uh, I, I like to, I like to be able to take all that in, but if, if it's a performance setting, it's, it's really, I'm kind of focusing on what I need to hear and how I need to keep my dynamics and keep things, uh, keep things where they need to be musically on stage. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's an interesting, um, an, dif- an interesting differentiator too. I think there's tons of um, people who are great in the studio and they, they're technical and they can play, you know, in good time and have it consistent and everything. But then on stage, they don't really put on that show that people come to see. And, and Fluff talks about that in the documentary as well. It's about putting on that concert. So you're on a world tour now, like you said, you're in Germany. Yes. Um, what, what's it like? And what's it like for, for you to be able to do both, to really get out of the studio and get out there and rock 50,000 people? It's, it's definitely two different, two different settings. Cause in the studio, you're really more focused on, on what's being played and, and, and how it's being recorded and how you're getting things to, to sound on, on the recording, as opposed to in a performance, you're, you're worrying about that and putting on an actual show and, you know, wearing wearing the right outfit on stage and, and <laughs> making making you know making bigger gestures making it seem bigger than it is and and and, uh, and then also keeping in time and and uh making sure that all the cues with the videos and the the, the pyro and, and and everything that's going on is uh is all syncing up into for one big show and that's mm-hmm. yeah it's it's basically performing uh on a large stage scale is, is, is kind of like recording, but yet, you know, everything's turned up to 11. If you like my, re- <laughs> if, if you like my reference, you know, <laughs> I like that. I like that. Where's the stage. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we've had a couple of those moments in some of these places. Oh, no. over here too. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. a good question. What's so talk about your tour that you're on right now. And, and this, this band ministry by your Instagram, it looks like you guys are just slaying. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, let's see to we're we're finished. We're, probably about halfway into the, the European tour right now. And then um, let's see, this is the, the last, basically the last leg of the, the American record uh, record cycle. And uh, there's going to be another record coming out here. I think there's, well, things are getting recorded right now and we'll see, we'll see where that goes. And then uh, but we're finishing up this leg right now in Europe. And then uh, I think there's a couple of festivals that we're going to be doing in the U S when uh, when we get back in the fall area, and then there's talk of another another U.S. run, and uh, we'll have more details about that probably later on, uh, closer to September, with that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, if if, if you're uh, if you're not familiar with the band Ministry, Ministry's been around since 1983. Uh, they kind of started as a synth pop band, and then uh, that music kind of just evolved into what it is today, where uh, you know, it's, it's, it's industrial metal and it's mm-hmm. kind of where it's the band that kind of pioneered that sound. And, uh, Very cool. yeah, yeah, it's, it is, it's, it's, it's an absolute honor to play in this band. It's one of those things that like, if you would have asked me when I was 15 years old, seeing ministry <laughs> at Lollapalooza that I'd be in this band, I, I would have told you 
there's no possible way, but here I am. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> it reminds me of um, this like cartoon meme thing that, that Kel shared with me once when we were first together. It was a, a picture that said at the top musicians available in your area. And there was like 15 guitar players, like 10 singers, like, you know, eight bass players and one drummer saying, sorry, I'm already in four bands. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's, it's, uh, a good drummer is uh, in demand and hard to find, you know? Yeah, it's, it's true. It's, it's, it's funny. Cause like there's, there's a lot of drummers out there, but there's, there's a lot of guys that I've talked to over the years that, you know, they, they have a drum set and they, they do know how to play, but they're, they're not really, they're not really into it for what it, if they're not into it for the right reasons, they're, they're more into it to, you know, go and be in a band and hang out backstage and stuff like that. And just kind of do that thing when they're not really into it for the musicianship. There's a lot of people that I run into like that, but I mean, I mean, that's like, that goes with anything. I mean, there's even dudes that hang out at, you know, swimming pools just so they can hang out with guys that are on the dive team. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a, I think fluff calls them posers. If I, if I remember right. That's, that's the technical term for it. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what's in the documentary and what's on the cutting room floor. Cause I've been listening to the entire interviews lately um, that we cut from. So if I mention something, it's not actually in the film, then my apologies. But uh, yeah, he was talking about how, how serious Kel was in the studio about her sound and the signal chain and, uh, you know, liking the channel strip a certain way and like just understanding that every single thing going on affects the sound. And like he was mentioning that not all musicians are like that. And a lot of people are just in it for the scene, but then they, they are not down for the hard work and the science. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Very, very true. So what's it like? uh, What was it like when you started playing? I think at seven, like your progression and when did you feel like, okay, I'm actually good at this. I think I, I think this will be my, my job for a living, you know? Uh, I, well, I, I kind of realized when I was about 22, 23 years old, that this was the only thing that I liked doing because I'd had every other kind of job you could think of. Like I even like, you know, I was a repo man. I delivered hospital. I mean, you name it. I did it for a job and I, tr- I tried just about everything. And I realized that this is the only thing that I was at all passionate about. And it was the only thing that I at like at all that I really wanted to do and was willing to, you know, sacrifice and make major sacrifices just so that I could do this. And, um, and I would say I was probably about 20, 21, right in that area. Mm-hmm. But it was it, it it was kind of the first time when I was a, when I was a kid playing at a talent show, and uh, and everybody everybody stood up and applauded what I had done with uh, the other guys in the band I was in. That was kind of when I was bitten by the bug, where it was like, this is really what I want to do. Performing is it's it just kind of got a hold of me then. Very cool. Yeah, it's it's an addictive thing, isn't it? Yes, it is. I'm not gonna lie. I've I've so I've. <laughs> I've sold cars, quit jobs. I mean, I've, you know, I've done everything I possibly can so I can just play in a band. What is the funniest thing that's ever happened to you on tour? doesn't have to be this tour. Uh, that's, there's a lot of funny stuff. That that you can say, I mean, this is an explicit <laughs> podcast, so you can pretty much say anything. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I guess, let's see. There, there was, I'm trying to think it would be a really good one. Like on stage, funny stuff that happened would, uh, 
would be, let's see, there, there was one time we were playing, this is a long time ago in a, in a different band. We were playing at a place called Hammerheads in uh, Evansville, Indiana. And uh, there was uh, the same day, there was a, a, a kind of a haunted house thing going on in the building, like right next door to this bar. And uh, as people were coming out, as people were coming out, there was this guy dressed up as a uh, uh, leather face from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And he had a okay. chain and he had a chainsaw was, I don't think it had a blade on it, but he would start it and he would chase people that were leaving this haunted house down the alleyway towards the parking lot. And, uh, the, the, the funny part was that when we were leaving the club, uh, <laughs> he was hiding behind this dumpster. We were leaving the club to go back to our, the, the van we were traveling in just to get some food before we were going on stage. And uh, we walked out and he pulled that chainsaw and started it. And then uh, our singer looked over and looked over and goes, so this is where we die. And, uh, yeah, I was like, so this is where it is. So this is where it ends. I was like, well, <laughs> I certainly hope not. Cause this would be a shit way to go. <laughs> oh man. I don't know. A chainsaw massacre on stage while you're playing. I mean, what else yeah. do you want? Yeah. Some disease well, that takes 15 years to kill you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that would, <laughs> if there was any way to go, I guess it would, I would have to say, you know, being murdered on stage is, <laughs> is, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's terrible to say it's not, it wouldn't be the first time that happened, but at the same time, I guess you can't be too mad about going where you're happy, but yeah, but yeah. Get the music behind the mission. Hate Becoming by Kelly Nicole on iTunes and Spotify. If you guys haven't checked out the merch table, join the movement. Buy the album. Get your Kelly Nicole band merch and donate what you can at kellynicolefoundation.org. Courage is from Amplified!